name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And you know, that's the question, isn't it? Maybe for some during this time, it's literally what they're asking. Where's the food for us to eat? Now, for most of us, though, the questions for us are ones about confusion. What's going to happen? Who will be infected? Am I infected and I don't know about it? What are the next steps? When will this end? How in the world will we get through this? And all of these questions stem from the fact that there's something about us as we're living right now and in this place. We don't know what's going to happen because we're sinners. We're creatures dependent upon our Creator. We're not God. We're created beings, and we're vulnerable. Vulnerable to illness, vulnerable to death. And we see that very clearly now. For us, the people of God, the the church, we're at a crossroads. And there are two paths for us as we are Christians in this world. That old man who still hangs around our neck, the sinner, would have us question, doubt, and turn away from God. Maybe not all at once, at one time, and and dramatically, but perhaps day after day, slowly after time, whittling away. The other path, the path of life, is lived in your new man, the Christian. He looks at this situation before you as a wake-up call to repentance, to trust in Christ who does know what he is doing and who promises to care for you. And so this is the faith that God gives you, and he fixes your eyes on Jesus crucified and risen for you each and every day. And when we think about this, you know something? It's not new. In that first reading from Exodus, God's people had seen firsthand with their own eyes the mighty works of God. The Lord worked miracles so as to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians, the plagues, countless other things. And just two chapters earlier, we have the crossing of the Red Sea. And now what's the confession of these people who walked through the waters as if on dry ground, who sang a song of great praise and thanksgiving? Well, we're told. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So these people are here before them and they doubt God. And they grumble against him. They let their bellies, they let their bodies do the talking and do the believing for them. They even over-exaggerate some of the things in Egypt. They were slaves after all. And rather than a faith in the promises of God, they trusted the physical things they could see, they could feel. And oh, how quickly they turned against the Lord 
But God in his mercy, though, doesn't forsake them. God doesn't abandon them. Instead, God would work another miracle by literally raining food for them to eat each and every day that they would be wandering through the wilderness. And also in this reading, then, there's more than something than just physical provision. Listen again to what Moses recorded. We hear, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Did you catch that? God was doing this to take care of them, giving them food, but also God was testing them as to whether they would walk in his law or not, walk in his word. And we see that this testing of God was also for their benefit. To be sure, he knew their daily need of bread, and he was going to feed their bellies. But he was feeding them in another way, too. It was something that God was doing in order for them to trust in him and what his word says. For a man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But what still did some of these people do? In the evening, they had more than they needed. They hoarded more than their share because, I mean, you know, you got to be prepared, right? Just in case. Doesn't that sound familiar? God promised that when they would get up in the next morning, they would have food and have enough. But nope. They wanted just to have that insurance policy, to be extra sure, take things into their own hands at the end of the day. Make sure they're taking care of themselves. But it's always kind of funny in this reading, though, that the Lord has a sense of humor. And they physically got a smell to smell the error of their rancid ways. God promised them he would take care of them. But still, they doubted. Now, in that reading from John's gospel, the people were following and listening to Jesus when they became hungry. And once again, God's people were in a place where they needed provision and they needed care, and they wondered where it would come from and how. But Jesus doesn't forsake his people. No one who trusts in him is put to shame. Instead, the Lord has mercy. Jesus, though, does something here. He tests one of his disciples. Jesus knew what he would do, and he tested Philip in order that he would see and know to whom he should look. He should look to Jesus to provide because he is the Lord in the flesh. Jesus provides as only he can do. And so he works a miracle to give food to his people just as he is the same God who rained down manna in the wilderness. This is who he is. It's what he does. He's the God who creates and the God who cares for his creation. Now, as we consider these things on this day, and we think about all of this, it's important for us. When we view the situations like these in the readings, we see with absolute certainty that God is testing his people. He tells us that. He did this in order to test them. In our day, it's hard for us to think that that way. Because our way of viewing God doesn't want to see him as one who would test us. We don't like to see God as one who would let us suffer in order for our good. So when we look at our situation now, is God testing us with this pandemic? Well, it's a good question. Now we run into a danger and we can't specifically say this is happening for a certain reason. 
where we live in a fallen world, and Jesus tells us that these are the signs of living in these end days until he returns again in glory. But we do know that God uses these things in order for us to see our sin and repent, as Jesus said in Luke about the Tower of Siloam. Pandemics and other terrible things are a preaching of God to us to examine our lives. God is never the source or cause of evil, but God can use evil even for his purposes, which are always good. Martin Luther once quipped in a way that the devil is God's devil. What people or things might be evil, God can even still use for his purposes and for our benefit. And many of the prayers from church history for times like this, like that we're enduring now, we look back at the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918, people have been posting different prayers from our synod at the time, are just looking through the various things throughout the course of history, we see that in these prayers there was included in them a confession of our sin and admitting that we deserve God's wrath when we face these things. It's a sober thing to hear and to pray that when People pray that even when people are dying in our country or even around us. But it's this, though, that God's testing is made known. And we see something in it. God knows what he will do. And he tells us what he has already done. And looking to Jesus, we know and cling to this, that if God is for us, then who can be against us? He gave up his only begotten son. And in this you see that God is merciful to you and that he has redeemed you in Christ. For the people in the Old Testament reading, they knew that God acted and delivered them. So why should they think that he would abandon them now? And Jesus in the third reading had been healing the sick and preaching to them the word of God. So why wouldn't he provide for their daily bread? And God has redeemed you in Christ. And you're baptized into his life, death, and resurrection and bear the name of the Holy Trinity. Why should you doubt his care and provision? Well, the answer is simply, you shouldn't. God doesn't change. He hasn't stopped working. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so during these times, know who God is. Know what he does. Hear these words of scripture today and repent. And then see in, Lord, in the Lord that he is merciful and he does care for you. So look at yourself and stop asking questions you can't answer. Pray the Lord's Prayer as Jesus taught you. Hear what he, he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? People of God, you indeed are more than a bird, more than the flowers of the field. You are of more value to your heavenly Father. And he cares for you in this life and ultimately into life everlasting. Dear saints of God, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast. This Sunday of the church year, Laetare, God's people rejoice as we are nourished in, the body, in body and soul by our Lord. 
So even if we may be held up in our homes, rejoice this day, dear people of God. You are not forgotten. You're not left unattended. The Lord is indeed with you and shelters you. Fear not, nor doubt his care for you. Cling to his promises that he makes to you, even now as a baptized child of God, and look forward to the future glory to come. Because in that day that the Lord has prepared and won for you, there will be no more grumbling. There will be no more doubting. There will be no more fearing. You will hunger no more nor thirst any more, and the Lord will shelter you with his unveiled presence. That's what has been accomplished for you. And so then, in faith, you lift up your eyes to behold Christ. And even if the world may be dying around you, you see that you have life and healing in the midst of the world. And God's peace is yours today, and he surrounds you with his steadfast love as your sin is forgiven. He's taken those doubts, those grumblings, those illnesses upon himself. Jesus has borne this. He's borne your sin and the sin of the whole world and satisfied God's wrath against it for you and in your place. And you now stand as one whom the Father loves and declares righteous in his sight all on account of Christ. And Jesus has risen bodily from the dead, and you share in his resurrection as your body too will rise from its grave, free from all sin, from sickness and death. Thanks be to God that he cares for you and will never stop caring. You are his beloved children, and he shows you mercy. And so the earth may give way, though the mountains be moved, though you may suffer or even die, nothing can tear you away from Jesus, your Savior, who has called you out of the darkness of sin, death, and the power of the devil. He's rescued you from these things and brought you into light of his kingdom. Rejoice and find comfort in the arms of him, who has cleansed you with his blood, having washed you clean in the waters of holy baptism. This is your God the God who created the heavens and the earth, who rained down manna from heaven, who fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish, your God who died and rose victoriously from the grave. This is the same God who knows you, the God who hears your prayers and answers you, and who cares for you in body and soul, now and even unto life everlasting. Amen.